Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. I was just driving and I was thinking about um, a relational issue that I was going through at that point. And uh, I was thinking, oh, you know, what should I do? Maybe I should try doing this so that this can happen. And, or maybe that could lead to this. And I was thinking about all of it. I had a pause in my thoughts. And this song came on and that line came on. And I just kind of, it shook me a little bit because I, I kind of wondered whether I was being way too strategic in this relationship. And I hadn't actually considered, am I being real? Am I sharing from my heart? And I'm not saying sharing from the heart as in like saying, oh, you hurt me and, and you did it. No, no, I'm just saying, do you actually know what's the most important things that should be said? Or are we pretending? Are we being fake in our relationships? And uh, 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 if you've been uh, coming over the last couple of weeks to Lift, you would know that we're in a series called Community. And uh, last week, Pastor Beck shared brilliantly. She shared about the need for community uh, because we are created in God's image. And in particularly, the line that, that really stood out to me was the line that she said that we've been created both with a desire and a capacity for community. We've been created with this innate uh, desire, this longing, this need for community. And, and it's so important and it drives so much of us. But we don't just have a need for community, we actually have a capacity for community. And I love that because I know that for myself, I used to label myself a loner or an introvert. I used to say, I'm a, I don't need people. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy, just God and me, we're tight, and that's all I need. Uh, I Literally, I used to say that, and I used to think that relationships weren't that important. Friendships, community wasn't that important to me. And, and I used the things that, oh, you know, I'm, uh, that's just how I am. But over time, just in my life, as well as, as a pastor caring with uh, four people and coming around people, I discovered that no one has been created to be a loner. No one has been created to be so introverted that you can't be around people. No one has got a handicap. It's so bad that you cannot, cannot do community well. And that's, uh, that really, we kind of flipped it around. Like, the, like Pastor Beck should have brought a message in week one, but she did it in week two because it was Mother's Day. And I don't want to speak in Mother's Day because it's just weird for a guy to talk about being a mom. Um, but if you go back two weeks ago, we start, uh, we, we, I, I spoke about uh, the first of three things you need to get to being community. And these are the capacities that I believe that we can grow in. And week one, we spoke about getting over. We spoke about how if we have unforgiveness and undealt with wounds in our heart, in our soul, it will stop us from being able to be in real community. And that was week one. And today we're going to talk about the second thing that you need to get. And this second thing you need to get is that you need to get real. You need to get real. If you want to be in community, then you need to get real. And the Bible has lots to say about this, but in particular, I've got this verse that, that was standing up to me, and it's found in James 5 verse 16, and it says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other that you may be healed. And um, when I look at this verse, I don't like it. 
I don't even mind the second half. You know, pray for each other, you may be healed. Yeah, okay, no worries. I've got no problem with asking someone to, to pray for me, although it has to be at least man flu or worse. And you know, I just I got tickled my no, I'm too manly. And you know, I kind of I cannot cannot ask for prayer if it's just a tickle in the throat. It needs to be at least man flu level. And you know, that's that's the way I'm built. And um but then we look at the other part of it that is uh confess your sins to one another and I'm kind of wondering, what is this all about? Are we kind of meant to have a confessional space, you know, where, where you go on to one side and you say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned, and outline the stuff that you've done. Is this some kind of weird religious practice that us Christians are meant to be doing? And as I looked into this, I don't think that it's meant to be a religious practice. I think it's meant to be a practice that we do because it actually works and and it has to do with community and when you look at this verse in the context of it and it's james 5 13 to 16 when i was reading this when i was getting ready for this message and i read this i saw it in a different light it goes like this is anyone among you in trouble let them pray is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise is anyone among you sick let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the lord will raise them up if they have sinned they will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and I used to read this in a very individualistic sense. If I am in trouble, I pray. If I am happy, I sing songs of praise. If I am sick, I get prayer. But the more I looked at this, the more it was, is anyone among you? Among you. When you are gathered, and if someone is in trouble, while you're in a community, hey, I need prayer. And then while you're in community, you guys have gotten really quiet this morning. It was like the fun song is over and you're all like, oh, here we go. Is anyone among you happy? Sing songs of praise. I love this one. Let me tell you why. Because it gave me a new appreciation for why we do this corporate worship thing. You see, we can easily stay at home. You can watch Hillsong on TV. You can sing songs with a band that we would love to be one day, but we are not right now. You know, they have five guitarists. We have one. And, 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 and a little bit handicapped in that uh, regard. So if you want to join the band, talk to Mitch. We need a few more band members. We're going to get to that level one day. But if you wanted just to sing songs of praise, you didn't need to come here. If you just wanted to have a good time in God's presence by yourself, you didn't need to come here. But I think there was something special when James was writing to the early church and he said, when you are happy, you sing songs of praise while you are amongst community. Why? Why? Because if you have got an answer to prayer, if God has answered your prayer, there's someone else in this room that is still waiting for that answer. If you have received a revelation of God's goodness, there is someone who is still struggling and confused about where God is. If you are in this place and God has opened the floodgates of heaven and you are, you, you're, you're ready and bursting forth with praise, 
there is someone else at the very same time in this room who doesn't know if they have the words to praise God. And when we are together in community and there are some happy people, and let me tell you this morning, I felt like there were some happy people in this room. And you sing that song as though you mean it. Maybe, maybe it's going to raise the faith of someone else. And maybe in their season of difficulty, in their season of darkness, in their season of desperation, they're going to go, if God can do it for that person, God can do it for me. Maybe they're going to start to sing and stir up their faith. If you get here at 10.20, you are missing out on something that is extremely important. If you get here at 10.10, you're missing out on something extremely yourself here because in that moment there can be a, a, a revelation of God's goodness that this preaching is not going to be able to give you. It's going to give you a sense of God's goodness that no matter how hard I preach, you might not get. It gives you a chance to sing that song of praise for yourself, but also for someone else in this room. So I think that's why I, when I looked at that, I was like, wow. There's actually something powerful about corporate worship. There's something powerful about gathering together with people of faith because I know that every now and then there is fear that creeps in. There is doubt that creeps in. There are situations that don't seem to be changing and it's uh, it's frustrating for me. And I need to know that God is still at work. And every time I come here, every time I come here, I know that God's alive because He's... He's doing something. So sing it louder. Yeah, Sing it stronger. Get a little bit excited when we sing about God's goodness, about how He breaks chains, about how He sets people free because He still does it. I know He does. And I know that sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And that's why we'll keep singing these songs. Get yourself here on time because we want to build a community of faith. We don't want to build individuals of faith. We want to build a community of faith. Anyway, that's why we do worship corporately. Um, and he goes on to say, if you're sick, ask for the elders to come and pray. It, it talks about something that I think is a bit lost in today's community, in today's society, and that is vulnerability. We've lost this ability to get open, to get naked about where we are at in our lives. We, we, we stop asking for help, and we start playing out scenarios in our head And we try to make everyone think that we're okay. And then there are people that are dying on the inside, but smiling on the inside, outside, but you still stink of death. You can smell it. And a person says, okay. Oh my gosh, what's going on? Beck's very compassionate. She knows that that's not real for me at all, but she's like, oh, maybe I'm just a good actor. You know, I heard recently that a person who has grown up in church was saying that they didn't even know if they've ever been themselves in church. How sad. We call ourselves a family, but this is a place that we put our guard up the most. What is with that? And, you know, a little over two years ago, maybe it was about three to four years ago, I, I, I had this revelation that I was doing something that I really hated. And that was um, whenever a bunch of pastors or church staff would get together. You always get this question. Someone will ask, so how's things going? How's things going on your end? And I realized that I always, it was an immediate response. 
You know, it, it's one of those things where you hit the knee and then it just does something. You know, it, it was a response. How, how's things going? Good. Good. Not, not just good. Not good. It's good. You need to do it with passion so that they won't ask any other questions. You know what I mean? Good. I said good when things were good. And I said good when things were not so good. I said good when there was progress. And I said good when I was stuck. I said good because good was a good enough answer to stop people from prying any deeper so that I wouldn't say something wrong. I wouldn't have to be too open. And then I realized that all of us were doing it. And I was like, maybe that's okay then. But then I realized, like, why? Why am I doing this? And so I made myself a promise. I said, I'm never going to say I'm good unless I mean it. So if, I, if you ask me and I say good, it's literally because I mean it. It's a, it's a thing that I want to be conscious about. And, and what I realized, uh, that hap- what I saw happen from there is that, yeah, some people did not want to hear a response to that question. They didn't. And, and they were a little bit like, ooh, I might as well have just said hello. But then in Australia, they say, how you going? So, so when you say, how you going? It's like, yeah, you know, you need to have a response for that. And uh, say. So, I recognize that some people didn't want to. And this was the other thing that got me thinking, is that there were some that because I shared how I was going, they got a little bit... I said, ah, I'm better than you. Look at you. I, I'm actually achieving a little bit more than, than you. There's a little bit of competition going on, and it was a little bit ugly. And I realized that I did that to others as well. So I'm not trying to say, oh, look at those guys, what they did. I saw that, oh, when someone opened up and they're struggling, say, oh, ha, ha, ha. I'm doing better. But then the other thing that I realized is that there were some that were genuinely interested in knowing that response. There were some that would actually follow up that conversation with a text message a couple of days later. So how are you going with that? How, how, how's that progressed? Is that, has that changed? Has that gotten any better? Is that I'm praying for you. I care for you. Let me know how things are going. Keep me updated. And I recognize people that I could build community with, real community with. I recognize that there was some that might not be ready for real community. And that's okay, but I recognize those that I wanted to do community with. And it's not really a, a thing about you need to be such and such in a way so that you can do community, but it's about really a hard effort to come clean, to come naked as, you, as, as it is without those masks and those performance type stuff that stop us from having real community. And I believe that God is calling us to build community in a whole new way. Because when we confess our sins, when we let people know that we are in trouble, when we let people know that we are sick, maybe emotionally, maybe physically, whatever it is, maybe maybe you will find that there's someone else that is willing to stand by you in that time of need. You know that that the research keeps showing again and again and again, people that build community, that build social networks in their life, live longer. They live with a greater satisfaction. They can 
steel themselves against stress and anxiety. They can, they can fight against depression. So why is it that in this hyper-connected world we are so disconnected? Is because we are not the ones connecting. Our image that we are trying to put forward to someone else is the one that is connecting with someone else's image. And the images are kind of just having a little conversation and I'm all the way back here. I'm receiving none of that support. I'm receiving none of that love and care. I am receiving nothing. Why? Because I have put forward an image rather than myself. But then I realize that in order to truly be real, I needed to fight against two fears. There are two fears in particular that I think capture most people. And these fears are fears that will stop you from being real. It will stop you from getting yourself into the interaction. It will keep forcing an image in front of you to stop you from the, being the one that is putting yourself out there. And I want to explain those two fears to you because I believe that some people here need to hear them. The first fear is the fear of being seen as lesser than. Is the fear of being seen as lesser than. Is a fear of being seen as incompetent. Is a fear of being seen as, as less worthy of praise. Is the fear of being seen as more broken. Is a fear of being seen as, oh, you're not that far along your journey. And oh my gosh, Christians, we need to get better at this. In the first six months of being a Christian, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm learning so much about God and oh, I did that wrong and I did that wrong and I need to deal with that stuff and, and all that kind of gear. And then six months later, it's like, oh, I can't go back to that place because then people will think that I haven't grown yet. I'm going to shut up about how I'm struggling. I'm going to shut up about my struggles because if I keep talking like that, they will think that there's something wrong with me that I can't grow, that there's some issue deep inside. Maybe he's a demon. What is wrong with us? This is a fear that I struggled with for so long, and I still struggle with. Completely honest, this is a fear that will last my whole lifetime. I know that. And I constantly have to fight this fear because this fear forces me to do things. Not forces me, but, but it causes me to choose to do certain things in certain ways. Like I said, it puts forward an image. I don't ask questions because I'm scared of looking dumb. I, 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 I don't try new things because I don't know if I'm going to succeed. I, I, I always need to know everything. I always need to talk as though I know everything. I always need to look like I have it all together because I don't want anyone to think that I'm incompetent. But then I realize how broken that kind of interaction is. I realized that I was not doing that whole part of if you're in trouble, find people to pray with you. And then I realized that this is not how God has created us to be. In Matthew 18, 1 to 4, we read this story. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples, they came to Jesus and they're like, Okay, God, tell us how this hierarchy is supposed to work. How do we move up the promotion ladder? How do we get to a place where we are able to be great amongst everyone else? Can you see where they were coming from? They were like, okay, so God, you can be number one, but I want to be number two. 
And you know, John, he needs to be number five. He can't be anywhere up because I surely I'm better than. He was talking about how, how does this whole greatness thing work? And then Jesus, he calls a little child and places the child among them, which is kind of interesting. I don't know. Can you picture this? Like, hey, like you get little Jace to come. And it's like these 13 men standing around little Jace. And it's like, be like him. It's like, what? And said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Can I just say that growing up in church, I've seen this verse completely misused. In the sense that we use this as a way to move up the ladder. I'm going to serve more. No, 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 you can't do that because I'm doing that. I'm going to put out more chairs than you. Because I'm serving her, I'm becoming lower. Look at me, I'm so low. I don't think I can get any lower. That means I'm higher. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like that. I remember when I, I've been doing, um, they call it bump in, bump out churches for a long time. And I remember when I first started though, I was like, oh, look at me, I'm moving more things. That means that I'm serving harder. I'm becoming more humble than the next person. And then I look at that and say, like, hey, I'm still competing with this service thing. That's not really, that's not, that's not really how it works. A child comes not as the greatest servant. In fact, children are terrible servants. <laughs> Can you do that? No. <laughs> Can you put away this? No. Our children are honest. Children are like, they'll cry. They'll come to you crying just because of the littlest things. So I'm struggling, mom. I'm struggling, dad. I don't know if I've got it all together. And I think that's what it means is that sense being lower doesn't mean the greatest servant, the one who has done the most serving, is, is understanding that I'm not there. And I'm okay with being not there. Somehow we lose that vulnerability and openness as we go through life because we get scared of how people will judge us. And so we clam up and we put off this image of who we are. But Jesus says, unless you are real, unless, you are op- unless you're vulnerable, unless you let people in, unless you, 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 you do community in a real way, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven isn't laid out like a hierarchy. And no, 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 it's not about who's greater and who's lower and who's serving who and who gets more crowns and who gets lesser crowns. No, no, it's, it's, it's about being whole. It's about getting the help that you need in the time that you need. And that's what God is about. He set us in community. Some of you haven't found what you need yet because you haven't opened up. And God's saying, the person sitting next to you, that person was supposed to be my solution to your issue. Because you're not opening up. You're still waiting for me to snap my fingers. or, Or I don't know what we think. But we think somehow we can earn more of God's favor by being more than? No. It's okay to be lesser than. I'm learning that. It's okay to be struggling. It's okay to be, to be worried. It's okay to, to not be all there. It's okay to have things that are not quite 
perfect about me. And maybe that scares you that the pastor would say such stuff. But hey, you're in the wrong church if you think that you're here to put on a mask. I don't think that that's going to do you any good whatsoever. We need to deal with that fear of looking, of being seen as lesser than. And that also links to another fear, and that is the fear of being seen as unworthy of love. See, for me, my struggle is more with that first fear. I'm a very competitive, I'm a very driven person, and I've also worked with people that are probably more uh, compassionate and are, are more relationally based, and, and for them it's not so much the, the, the competence issue, but is the love issue. They're so worried of how people would, see them, their identity, that they start copying. They start following someone else. Say, oh, that person's cool, so I'm going to be like that person. Or, or you know, they, they start to hang around certain groups of people because those groups of people are the ones that are seen as cool. Or they don't leave certain friendship groups because they don't know if they can find another friendship group, even though that first friendship group is totally detrimental to their, uh, to their health and well-being. They won't leave it because at least they show me love. One preacher, Cy Rogers, he says this, bad love is better than no love at all. That is a driving force in our humanity that just receiving that value from anyone, no matter what the cost is, is better than nothing at all. That's how we see it. And there's a fear that we have that stops us from being real with the people around us. But we need to realize that the more we live in that kind of a way, the more bad love we get in and the worse we become, the worse the cravings become. We need to learn to deal with these two fears. And the honest truth is that to deal with those two fears, I don't think any of us can really do it. I know that I tried to fight, to look competent for ages and there was always something that wasn't quite there. And I know people that try to be as cool or be as whatever and still finding that there wasn't enough approval, there wasn't enough affirmation in their life. They couldn't fight those fears by trying to gain any of those things. And I realized that in my life that the only way to deal with those two fears, the only way to deal with those two fears is to get real with God. It's not just God, but it's to get real with God. It's to come to God and say, I've blown it. It's to come to God and say, I'm not perfect. It's to come to God and to say, I, I don't know why I'm still not there yet. I really want to, but I'm still not there yet. Can you help me? It's being open with God and saying, I'm struggling with stuff. It's not about coming to God and saying, hey, you saved me, so now I better be perfect. Uh, God knew even before his sacrifice that, his, that the moment you accept into your life, you, you're, not, you're not all there yet. You're still a work in progress. In fact, all of us are works in progress all the way till our deaths. But somehow, somewhere along the line, we learn that we can't let anyone know that. <laughs> Somehow, we need to get to a place where we're all plastic. Maybe we're all perfect. And God's like, no, a broken and contrite heart. I will not 
despise. Can you hear that? A broken and contrite heart, I will not despise. That is God's heart. He's like, I'm not, I don't look down on you. In fact, I welcome it. I welcome you in your greatest brokenness. And in fact, this is God's promise that in our weakness, His power is made perfect. In fact, God has, has, has understood how our humanity works so that He is not just willing, but He knows that He's at His best when we acknowledge that we are not there. He is at His best when I recognize the imperfection in my soul, in my behaviors, in my thinking, in the things that I'm trying to do. In my weakness, He is made perfect. His power is made perfect. And so uh, Paul the Apostle talks about, so I will boast all the more. I will boast all the more in my weaknesses. It's not about acknowledging that you will never change because that's rubbish. God also talks about change and, and the necessary part of discipleship. But it's about that starting point of realizing that God doesn't hate you, that God doesn't despise you, that God is not demanding something more from you. In fact, God, the only thing that He's asking for is saying, will you come close? I don't want that image of you. I don't want that, 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 that plastic thing. Uh, uh, Whatever rubbish that that is. In fact, the Bible says that our righteousness is like stinky rags. The best that we can do is absolute rubbish to God. He's not looking for your best in that kind of a way. He's just looking for you. He's just searching for you. When I realize that God has been and continues to pursue me for who I am and not what I do, it stopped that need for me to perform. It allowed me to go, I can be real. Being real is dangerous. Being real opens yourself up to hurt. Being real sometimes absolutely stinks. But without being real, you'll always be alone. Without being real, there's no chance of community. And especially when it comes to God, I don't know how many of us haven't actually got that relationship with God. The more I go through my pastoral journey, the more people I'm meeting that say, I like the God that you talk about, Nate. That's not the God that I know. I'm like, you know how heartbreaking that is for me, hearing that, that God sounds amazing. That God of love, unconditional love. The God of unconditional grace. The God who is there for you. I don't know that God. And I'm like, what? Why? It's not because God has pushed you away. It's because you haven't stood in front of Him before. It's because you always had a proxy. You always had an image that you put in front of you that stops you from being real with anyone, including God. There's some people in this room that hasn't experienced what life can be with God, even though you've been a Christian for all of your flipping life. Because you've been bringing that image the moment you step in front of church. Here you go. I've got to wait outside the door. And then I'm going to go home. And then I'm going to get into my alcohol. I'm going to get into my stinking habits. 
because I'm still unloved. No one knows who I am. Yeah, sometimes we stink as the church. I've said stuff that hurts people. I've done things to push people away, and I do apologize for it. But I'm still human, and I'm on my journey. And sometimes I'm trying my best, and my best sometimes isn't good enough. But I know that God is always perfect. God is always good. God never pushes away. If we can get the band up this morning. I want to introduce you to Jesus. Some of you need, some of you need to stop pretending. Some of you need to just drop the act. Some of you have said that sinner's prayer five times, but you've never really meant it. Some of you call yourself Christians, but you're only saying it because you're scared of hell. Some of you are doing it because your parents have always done it. But this morning, what about saying it from the heart? What about saying this prayer to really invite Jesus into your life? He saved you. He went to the cross for you. He died for your sin. He is inviting you in right now. He's at the door of your heart. He is knocking and he's saying, I would love to have a meal with you. I'm not worried about your acts. I'm not worried about what you're doing. I'm not worried about what is going on. I just want some real people that are really inviting me into their hearts. And so at every head bowed, every eye closed, why don't you say this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I have sinned. I know that I'm in trouble. But I know that with you, everything has been dealt with. I want to get real with you, God. I invite you into my life. Be my saviour. I accept your love. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.